what if like we mentioned like i mentioned earlier that maybe this is round two which was her weird reaction to deke and all of that so what if she is actually older and her body has been de-aged but her mind hasn't been erased to come back to the same age so that glowy thing is keeping her memories intact so that she can she can do what needs to be done and try to save the world this time around Welcome to the Marvelous Madams podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris and Madam Amy. We are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things Marvel. Madams assemble. All right, so this week we are talking about season 7, episode 5. A Trout in the Milk, which, of course, had to be said, what was it, Aim? Three times? Mm, yes. Or two, twice. No, no. Definitely at least three times. That comes out of Seuss's mouth. Okay. And I still don't know what it means. I looked it up. <laughs> of course you did. Of course I did, yes. <laughs> um, it, basically what Colton says, circumstantial evidence, the meaning is that if you see a trout in the milk, it means that the milk has been diluted with water so it's circumstantial evidence that the milk may be diluted because there's a trout in the milk that is the dumbest expression i've ever heard in that case (laughs) it's old-timey talk like susa said so Uh, the fact that he used the phrase old-timey talk was hilarious in and of itself (laughs) (laughs) poor guy the guy is to borrow from a trout in the milk he's a fish out of water oh i see what you did there Uh uh-huh (laughs) <laughs> he is a man out of time. Mm-hmm. As they all are. So let's just jump right into this episode because holy shit, there is a lot to talk about. And they have just gone to another level right now. The speed at which they're going, breakneck, I don't even know how they're going to last 13 episodes. Yeah, I wish I had a seatbelt on my couch yesterday, honestly. <laughs> they are off the fucking rails and I love it. Yeah. I've got a theory for that, which we'll get to. Okay, everyone, I'm giving her 30 seconds on this episode to gloat about her Deke theory coming to fruition. And that's all she gets because now she's getting greedy. <laughs> hey, I got it right. And not, it wasn't just the Deke theory as well. Oh, I stop. Did. Oh, stop. This is what I'm talking about, people. I mentioned that now that the Chronicoms have stayed back, or rather the face of the Chronicoms had stayed back, Things are going to change, and things did change. So I've got that's, two theories right. No, no, Suck that's on not that. a theory. Yes, it was. <laughs> no, you go get yourself a goddamn lemon because that's not a theory. That's an observation and a, a like ridiculous observation. Of course, it's going to change. They just altered the timeline. You quit patting yourself on the back you do not try to rain on my parade because you had not thought of that till i mentioned it at the end of the episode okay right more like i just didn't mention it because it was quite obvious anyway yeah yeah cover it up why don't you just accept (laughs) defeat gracefully just the way i have accepted your tom chart (laughs) <laughs> oh my god 
So we have to talk about this title sequence first and foremost. Holy shit, they went all out. It was fantastic. Yeah, everybody is talking about this on social media. It was like MASH meets the A-team. It was epic. Yeah. I was half expecting Alan Alda to show up in this episode or like Mr. T in some capacity. I'm just going to say okay because I don't know who they are. After that fabulous title sequence, we open on quite possibly one of the best opening scenes of any episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is Coulson and May, and there's no other word for it, swaggering around New York in 1973, looking damn fine in those retro clothes. They looked fabulous. He's got the walk going, doesn't he? Yeah. He was loving it. You can yeah. see he was loving it. Yeah, that uh, that worked for me. That worked for me big time. <laughs> I bet it did. You know, I have to wonder watching this, like Colson's so nostalgic for this time period. He, there's such an energy about him. And poor May is there with no feelings of her own. I have to wonder, is it a reprieve in some ways for her to be with Colson because she can still be near a person, a person she knows and she can interact with, but she doesn't have to deal with taking on his feelings. That's interesting. It could be why she chose to partner with him in this mission in the first place. Maybe. I mean, especially in a place like New York, where everybody's packed in like sardines, especially in the 70s. Man, New York was New York was abysmal. I can imagine it might be she might get some relief from just not having to to deal with the emotions for a little while and still being able to be with someone. On the surface, she probably wouldn't be touching people all willy-nilly. Yeah, and I mean, just this intro scene, it is rough. Yeah, it is. This entire episode, Colton and May, the dynamic was just heartbreaking. You could see that he was excited and he wanted to share this emotion with her and she was just a blank slate. Yeah, he just wants his May back. Yeah, yeah. And she just wants herself back. I mean, there's there's major fear on her part, too. Yeah. And you know what I think is also very interesting? And I predict, I don't know how, but I think this is going to be important, especially now that we've seen the promo for next week's episode. So Colson and May are opposites in a way right now. She has a human body, but no feelings. He has feelings, but no human body. That has to mean something. What do you think it means? That's where my plan ends. I see. So (laughs) you bring up the questions and I come up with a theory? Is that how this works? You're putting words in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it has to mean something because it's too perfectly planted to not get a payoff. Well, yes, there absolutely will be a payoff. We just don't know how. Or when? Or what? Uh, The important things. (laughs) We're not frustrated. We didn't come out with more questions again. No, no, no. Uh, You know, no jokes. At the certain points in this episode, I was like, oh, come on. For fuck's sake. We just solved something and then boom. So everybody's got to get their 70s duds. And Sousa, he's just not feeling it. No, but Chloe Bennett looked awesome. She looked amazing. You know, I was getting like uh, Diane Keaton vibes from her. Okay. So uh, 
with, with in regard to uh, Suze's remark about the elephant pants, somebody on Twitter had mentioned palazzo pants uh, being popular in the 50s. And I was like, whoa, whoa there. In, in the 1990s, I can uh, attest to this, uh, palazzo pants were the dress pant of choice for uh, little chubby girls. Because you thought they were slimming? Well, they weren't they weren't hugging anything, so I had hope. <laughs> Sousa, I have to say, again, adapting remarkably well, especially in the midst of Coulson, once again, just totally fanboying over the 70s and loving every minute of this. Sousa seems to really have a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't get turned around by things really easily. Not until he sees a smartphone. <laughs> we'll get to that. Was that not just the cutest moment ever? He's adorable. He really yeah. is. Yeah. Speaking of adorable, and this pisses me off that I think it's adorable, but I can't help it at this point. Deke in his tracksuit. Of course. <laughs> of course he's wearing a tracksuit. Yeah, but it's the 70s, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they are also the dress pant of choice for older Italian men. I can attest to that as well. <laughs> in any decade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got our groups again. We've got Colson, May, Daisy, and Souza, who are going to handle things over at the Swordfish Bar. And now here on the Zephyr, we have Deke and Nana, Gemma. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the fuck's going on here, Miss Gemma? Hmm? You've got some splaining to do. How did Simmons forget about Bobo? Because she clearly is. Something is off. Something's going on because she just went blank. And yeah, and in the first episode, she knew what Deke was talking about. And now she yeah. doesn't. Yeah. So what the hell's changed? Exactly. And what's with her neck and the glowy thing? Oh, okay. So one, she is in some kind of physical pain. Yes. From this. So she cannot be an LMD. Okay. Two, she's experiencing mental confusion, disorientation, which are human reactions. It would be it would show differently if she was an LMD. So she's definitely herself. She's a person. Yes. And adding to the fact that May can feel her feelings. Right. So uh, we're not we're not dealing with an LMD here. But but what we can say for sure Based on the pop culture that we ourselves have consumed, which includes various seasons of The X-Files, Twilight Zone, Battlestar Galactica, Star Trek, a red glowing device in someone's neck, never a good thing. No. And I'm glad you mentioned Battlestar Galactica because that was the first thing that popped into my head. Glowy red spines equals Cylon. Okay. You obviously don't know what I'm talking about. I do not, but I can get the gist that it's no bueno. Yeah. So yeah, this this whole Simmons thing is confusing. She also says something interesting to Deke because he's obviously worried about his own future. As he says in a way that only Deke can, his grandparents need to bump lemons so that his mother can be born. Gemma has another very strange reaction to this. Yes, that's the thing. She just walked away... And she had this exasperated look on her. I think it's because Deke's mother has already been born. Probably. A lot of people on social media have thought that they have a kid already. I'm on board. I'm on board 100% now for that theory. I hadn't been convinced, but I am now. Okay. But also, she says that she thinks they should worry about, quote, 
preventing mistakes through preparation. That sounds ominous. And again, it just goes to what the fuck have they been doing? How much time has passed? And where is Fitz? Do you think maybe this is round two of trying to save the world? Oh, snap. You think they fucked it up the first time and now they're trying again. Yes. Oh, I like that. Which will feed into my theory about Simmons, which I'll get to a little later when we meet Enoch. Okay, seriously, can somebody else give us better theories? I'm tired of making this one look good. (laughs) You like Mm. it when I give you interesting theories to chew on for the week. Now, here is a question I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Thinking back to the eh, short stint of time that Deke spent as that ridiculous CEO of his dumbass company that he stole all the shield tech for. Do you think Deke has actually bumped lemons? Yeah, he had a girlfriend. I'm not buying that she ever had sex with him. Nope. Not buying it. Marissa Tanjaran, would you tell us? You would know. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little about your character. Well, I would say he may have. I mean, it's not like he would have, wouldn't have at the lighthouse in the future. I don't know. I feel like he had other priorities, like not dying every day. True. Yeah. Well, I guess that's something that Jeff Ward can answer. So Gemma is just keeping all kinds of secrets. At this point, she may not even remember what the secrets are. And damn, Elizabeth Henstridge is doing a fantastic job this season of walking this line. Yeah, she is. And I mean, it's been noticeable overall, but there's been so much happening that we've never really had a chance to speak about her. But you do see a certain difference in the way she plays Simmons. Absolutely. And what I love, too, is that we're really seeing her range as an actor, because in seasons five and six, we saw so much emotion from her and it was so raw and genuine. And, you know, she could take it up to 11 easily and just give everything she had. But here in season seven, she's doing the opposite. She's being very subtle in her choices and just walking this tightrope along with these writers of what's going on? What does she know? What do these expressions mean? She has us examining every single word that comes out of her mouth. That's how good she is. Yeah, she is fantastic. And well, clearly the way she's portraying the character, she obviously knows what is coming. So she's playing it according. True. Yeah. If only she could tell us. So two groups down, one to go. Now we find Mac and Yo-Yo doing recon at the lighthouse. How did you feel about them being back at the damn lighthouse? It was so fucking dark. And can we please get away from the damn lighthouse? Thank you. And I'm not the only one. There were other people out there who were like, God, the lighthouse again? Really? Yeah. Honestly, at this point, I hope they blow it sky high. Look, I get it. You know, the CG this episode and the previous episodes have been great. So they probably have to save on the budget. So they're reusing the lighthouse over and over again. But enough already. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get Wiley Wiley Coyote in here. One case of Acme Dynamite. Let's do it. You do realize in the next episode, the place, whatever that blows up, shows up again, right? Oh, (laughs) that's true. Especially his head. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Acme Dynamite is not long lasting. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not sure how I felt about this scene. I'm not sure if I thought it's maybe I'm half and half. I don't know. Part of these like, oh, that's kind of sweet. They're back together. This is their spy save the world version of date night. And the other part of me is like, really, Mac, can we get our priorities straight here? Well, everyone needs some R&R. You don't get the R&R when you're on an active reconnaissance mission. Hey, Daisy is getting drunk at a bar. She wasn't drunk. She was having a drink. You don't know what was in it. She was having a beer. I saw the label. Yeah, but she's not getting drunk. Okay, she was having a beer. Yes, they were on the job. Max busy trying to get his Mac on. Uh, <laughs> trying, to get, trying to get laid over here while they could get caught at any moment. And they almost do. But they assumed or they thought that the lighthouse was empty. Did I, get, did I use Mac properly? Is that what the kids said in 1997? Did I get that right? Your guess is as good as mine. Well, they wouldn't have been skulking around secretly, though, if they thought it was completely abandoned. No, he said that he wanted to make sure he was trying to be thorough. All right. Still, not the time to try and get some. Okay, but you can't deny that the moment was sweet when she says, why do you call me Yo-Yo? And he said, because you always bounce back. Yes, that I will give him. That was a very nice line. I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. So Mac and Yo-Yo pretty quickly realize, oh, shit, this place isn't completely abandoned. Hmm. What's going on here? Yeah. And they skulk around. Yo-Yo bringing in pop culture references for sure. She's totally right. She Anybody is. who's ever seen a Bond movie knows she's right. Yeah, she is. Totally. I agree with her, just like she was right about the Terminators. Yeah. But yeah, they find this whole satellite being built. The CG in this episode is really good. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So we head back over to our first crew who are on their way to the Swordfish Bar. And Coulson's getting super excited about yeah. heading in this place. And we get a great moment here as he's fanboying of poor Daisy just, oh, okay, Dad. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so sweet. Yeah. It was. He embarrasses his kids like any other dad. <laughs> so they think they're going to be heading into a, like a mellow, quiet place, but it turns out there's a party going on inside the Swordfish Bar. Yeah, it's swinging. It is. And it's all centered around one of my favorite character actors, Patrick Warburton. It's really good that they brought him back because they had him for like maybe what, two scenes in the last yes. couple of years in the, for the lighthouse? Yes. Yeah. So it was really good that they brought him back. Okay, and I just have to say this. I, I have to get this off my chest. The facial hair on him and Malik was super distractingly bad. Okay, here's the thing. So with Warburton, I think it actually fit the time period pretty well. And that may have been his own. Like I've seen him with facial hair before. However... You are correct. What the fuck are they doing with Wilfred Malik? Did they hear everybody the first episode? We're like, hmm, all right, well, the fake beard, yeah, it looked pretty fake. Let's throw on some fake sideburns instead. Yeah, and a fake goatee. Jesus, and so much bronzer. What's with all the bronzer? Thank you. Why? He doesn't look old. He just looks super fucking tan. He doesn't even look tan. He looks like leather. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the phoniest looking person. It's like, did you see Prometheus? No. Okay, it's okay. It's a, it's a shit movie. But here's the thing. So in Prometheus, there's an old man. And instead of just casting a fucking old man, they cast Guy Pierce and put him in these ridiculous prosthetics and old age makeup that looked so fucking stupid. And I feel like they're doing the same thing here. If you wanted a guy looking on the older side with a beard, then hire that guy. What are you doing? Yeah. And it would have been easy to de-age him in the 50s in a black and white episode than it is to age someone in a color episode. Yeah, seriously. We're not making a Winston Churchill here, movie here. This isn't Gary Oldman. This is just some character actor. Anybody could do this. Yeah. You're right. It is distracting. It does, ta- it does take away because you're just staring at him like, you're supposed to be this evil, super nefarious dude, and I'm just laughing at your stupid sideburns. And that bloody smoking jacket yes oh my god (laughs) did he have a cigar i can't remember no he was having bourbon or so i assume okay it it had to be either a either liquor or a cigar or both of course yeah no with warburton though it fit because patrick warburton has that persona and a little typecasting of being a cartoonish sort of character okay which is why he's perfect for this role. I know you don't know him because you never watched Seinfeld, but he's a very popular character actor. Okay. No, but seriously, this guy, terrible casting. We thought the 30s Freddy was bad. I would rather have him right now at this point. And thank the fuck he's dead. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's kind of, everybody's mixing and mingling and trying to keep a quote low profile at this bar. And they're They're really not keeping a low profile at all. Once again, this is a problem for this team. So they're lucky everybody's drunk. Yeah. And May getting drunk by touching other people is fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was good. It's like, I'm at least least one sheet to the wind. Give me a moment. (laughs) And then make up. (laughs) Yeah, she had a very cute drunk smile I enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. (laughs) Oh my God, wait, wait. So my husband caught a bit of the episode when I was watching it and he saw him when he saw Malik, he said, oh shit, is that the Dos Equis guy? Who's that? You never seen the beer commercials, the Dos Equis commercials with the most interesting man in the world? I'm halfway across the world. I don't have the same commercials than you. Okay, I wasn't sure. Everybody will know what I'm talking about. Okay. And I would just like to say for the record... Um, that is a ridiculous statement. My husband is face blind. I was like, no, you jackass. That is not the most interesting man in the world. That doesn't even closely resemble the most interesting man in the world. They're literally both people. That's it. Okay. So at the bar, what they realize is that so much for the ripples and not waves theory, they're bloody in a tsunami right now. Yeah. There are changes left, right and center. Malik is still alive. His kids are still alive. And Project Insight is a thing, which brings us to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, the Chronicoms have been quite busy. Yes, they have. Wilfred Malik was supposed to have died in 1970, and Nathaniel Malik was supposed to have been basically a hot entree for Hive over on Maveth. Right. So, okay, so after all of this that we find out, and we know that 
the writers and the creators of the show have said that they are going to tie in with the MCU. Is this how they tie in with the MCU? Are we going to see Cap? I feel like this isn't quite big enough for them to tease it in an interview like that. I don't know. I feel like it would be, if this is it, then a lot of people are going to be disappointed because we want to run in. Well, we had another little glimpse here. We could potentially bump into something else here because there's another name that comes up later in the episode. Right. A certain scientist. A certain scientist who's good at numbers and science and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So now here's what I want to ask you, too. Nathaniel Malik, did he seem a little off to you? Is the sky blue? Yeah, little not quite all there in the head. And I don't mean in like, because he's part of an evil family way, but something's something's not quite tight enough in that head of his, I think. Yeah, something is seriously off about this dude. Yeah, and we do see Gideon Malik real quick, and I loved this moment so much. Yeah, he's trying to flirt with Daisy, and Sousa comes in to to the rescue, which is so sweet. Oh, I love that. No, I didn't find that sweet at all. I found that sexy as all hell because he comes over with a a vibe of, this is what a man looks like, you pervy little boy. Take a hike. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of shipping them. A lot of people are, and a lot of people are hating themselves for it. Yeah, I mean, Peggy is Peggy, but then, okay, but then I'm also wondering, what is the age difference between Daisy and Sousa? Well, he's 40 in real life. Okay, but he's playing older, right? She's, she was like 24 when she joined S.H.I.E.L.D., so she's at least 30. It's fine. So there's about a 10-year age gap, which, okay. That's, that's fine. When, hey, mm. once you're like 30, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, once you once fine. you re, once you reach the age at which you should have your shit together, should being the key word. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's an issue. But yeah, I like them together. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think there's any vibe there at all. No, I think they're good partners. They could be good friends, but I don't think anything will happen. No, it's too late in the game to build something up like this. Otherwise, it'll, it'll just come off tacky. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Unless we have a spinoff. Writers? No, no. If we're going to pick a spinoff, we already decided. It's going to be The Swordfish Files, The Adventures of Enoch and Koenig. We already decided. Who says we can't have more than one spinoff? <laughs> Give me more Chloe Bennett. I'm more than happy about that. Well, we can only hope she joins the MCU in some capacity. Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, no spinoff. Join the MCU. Yep. You just want to see her and Valkyrie together. Guilty as charged, yes. You just you just want to feed your own spank bank. That's what you want to do. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Don't deny it. Quake and Valkyrie versus Hela and Ada. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> we have an episode to finish. And then you can go to sleep and finish that thought. <laughs> so the team tries to make a clean break of it, but nobody's fooled. Malik basically just looks at Cole and says, like, really? Did you think I wouldn't remember you guys? Come on. <laughs> and I got to say, I'm like, you know what, Phil? I got to actually take the villain's side on this one. This was not a great plan. True. But then in the first, in the previous episode, Malik didn't remember Deke. 
Yeah, but he was older in the next one. It's not a chance you want to take. Well, what else could they do? They're not going to face snatch people like the Chronicoms. Well, everybody else is wearing shitty facial hair disguises. That's true. <gasps> let's get let's get Colson some Groucho Marx glasses. <laughs> And some bronzer. Yeah. There was no shortage of bronzer in the 1970s, I promise you. And maybe in real life, but here I think they ran out. They just put it all, put it all on Malik. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that all, that all goes to hell pretty quickly. So caught red-handed, they have to think on their feet, and Daisy uses Nathaniel Malik as leverage, as a hostage, basically, uh, to get out of there. And uh, his father apparently just had a little bit of feeling in that black heart of his for his son. and was like, all right, all right, get out of I here. I think you mean bronze Give heart. Me my- <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's enough that he's he's definitely absorbing it into the skin. Yeah. 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 So they're able to get the hell out of there. But then it's like, oh, shit, we ain't got no wheels. Enter... Enoch. Finally. Fucking finally. And he is so sassy about it that you guys have left me here for 40 years. I loved it because these people deserved it. It was amazing. He eviscerated them in the calmest, most mellow way possible. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the question is, what the hell has he been up to for over a year? What's he been working on? What's he been doing? Where has he been? Because here's the thing. He was obviously still close enough, still monitoring things in some way that he knew they were in trouble and knew to show up. Yes. Maybe he's working on something to bring Fitz back. And that plays in whenever Fitz shows up. I have a feeling he knows exactly where Fitz is. Maybe. Uh, So he's probably building the tech or doing something to facilitate Fitz showing up? Yeah, but he would have left some kind of coded message for Coulson if that were the case. He's doing something super secretive. He wouldn't have just... Well, here's the thing. In the previous episode, we saw that everyone was basically ignoring Enoch. And he, at the end, says, I am alone just as I've, just as I've always been. So maybe... He didn't expect the team to show up looking for him or because the fact that we saw him come in just at the right moment, Terminator style, he knew that if these guys show up, he will come in and speak to them and do whatever needs to be done. So he didn't need to leave a message. Hmm. Could be. That makes sense. Hmm. Which one? The second one. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we have another great moment here. Finally, we get to see Daisy do some quaking. Yeah. We need more quaking. <laughs> yeah, that, that freaks Susan out a little bit for sure. And then you can see that Nathaniel Malik seems to have a bit of a boner after that. Yeah, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. That guy was better off with Hive. Yeah. This is the vibe I get from Nathaniel. I picture him in his bedroom at night, looking at himself, going, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the evilest Malik of them all? (gasps) Me, (laughs) me, me. He may not be the smartest. We don't know that yet, but I think he's the most dangerous. I definitely think he is dangerous. I think he's more of the stalkery, creepy, 
serial killer murder board type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the reaction to Daisy quaking was like half. What the fuck was that? I want those powers and half. I want to suck your toes. I would say 80% I want to suck your toes and I want to suck the powers out of you through those toes. (laughs) That's fair. Good compromise. (laughs) I hate you for putting that thought in my head. Fuck you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Payback. You know, the the Chronicoms before this have done a pretty good job of blending in to the various time periods. They were, you know, the old timey cop uniforms and then they were in like goonish kind of clothing in the 50s. But now... These dudes just look like fucking General Zod. What the hell? (laughs) So everybody regroups back on the Zephyr. And that is when Daisy and Sousa share some info with everybody else because they were in, they broke into Malik's like secret backroom office and discovered that Hydra has a target list for Project Insight. Let's not forget it was secret high tech back office. Okay. And this is when we find out that Hydra is planning to take out little Bruce Banner. Yeah. And Peggy Carter and Nick Fury. Yeah, which we find out later on. But I'm hearing these names. It's like every name was just like a knife to the chest. Yeah. But especially like Bruce, he's just a fucking kid. Well, bright side, if they got rid of Bruce Banner, then we wouldn't have the Incredible Hulk movie. Oh, or the horrible TV show. This is true. Hmm. Hmm. This must be carefully weighed. Mm-hmm. But if we don't have Nick Fury, then we don't have the Avengers. Yeah. Well, I mean, this could go on and on. <laughs> They're all set to get to work on stopping Project Insight from moving forward in 1973 when when the Chronicoms pull a Zach Morris, time out, let's change up the rules here, and decide to force them to time jump to 1976, more specifically, the launch day for Project Insight. Now, see, I don't get the logic over here. If you want to get rid of S.H.I.E.L.D., why would you jump to the exact day when they can fuck shit up? Why not the day after? Mac even commented on it. And we know that the Zephyr is basically tagging along with the Chronicoms as they're jumping. Well, what we do know is that the Chronicoms have some big plan... They can see everything, as Malik says. So the fact that Mac commented on it, it's not a slip of the writing. There's more to that. There has to be a reason. Yeah, I know it's not a slip, the fact that Mac acknowledged it. But I don't get why. Why are they doing this? They clearly know something the team doesn't. They know a lot that the team doesn't. And that's what Malik says, is that, oh, you have no idea what you're up against. They see everything. They are always 10 steps ahead. Yeah, which brings up so many more questions. The questions are infinite at this point, especially because now that Enoch's back, yay, Gemma is a little off the rails here, telling him, I've been slipping, forgetting, she's confused, and she's freaking out. This is the closest we've seen her to a full meltdown in a while. Yeah, and did you notice that when, when she said this to Enoch, she says, without you, I'm slipping. Yeah. The fuck does that mean, woman? Exactly. What happened? What the fuck does it have to do with this big burn in a hole in her neck? 
Yeah, and that kind of sounded odd. And you know what? I feel like this thing in her neck, the glowing aspect of it, the burning aspect of it potentially, has to be new because somebody would have noticed this by now. You know, I was thinking about that and I thought maybe she would have covered it up with keeping her hair down, but first episode itself, we see she has her hair up in a bun. Yeah, yeah, it's been out the entire time. So it has to be new. It has to be new that it's just showing up now. Unless the fact that it's glowing means it's malfunctioning. Maybe. I mean, a a malfunction of some kind would probably cause her some kind of physical pain. Yeah. And have to do with the fact that she's slipping and forgetting and getting confused. So maybe Enoch had been doing some kind of maintenance on it for her. Maybe. So which brings me to my theory. All right, pens, everybody. Here we go. Okay, so what if, like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, that maybe this is round two, which was her weird reaction to Deke and all of that. So what if she's actually older and her body has been de-aged, but her mind hasn't been erased to come back to the same age? So that glowy thing is keeping her memories intact so that she can she can do what needs to be done and try to save the world this time round. All right, you know what? Sleep deprived my ass. I will say it again. As I said about drunk you, I will say about sleep deprived you. You are still other people's like 100%. That is a fucking fantastic <laughs> theory. So what if Simmons is actually older, but they've put that, they've used the same technology like the face mask to make people look like other people, like way back when from season two and three, the face mask. Interesting. So it's not Gemma, but has Gemma's consciousness and memories through whatever device is in the neck. Yes, oh. and that is malfunctioning. Oh boy. Okay. God damn it. Wednesday's going to take forever. (laughs) And half of me is like, oh my God, I hope this is true because this is amazing. And the other half is like, fuck, I'm going to have to hear you gloat about it if you're right. (laughs) That would be awesome, though. Wouldn't it? No, because I'm people i'm tired of her being right so what if it always works out well when she's right that's not the principle of the thing but why is it bitter i've been right once because i can't eat twice because i can't even formulate anything let alone be right about it (laughs) i can't do it i'm a it's like content creation takes too much out of me to have anything left over for myself Yeah, and I'm just, you know, sitting pretty while I'm editing you freaking out. So, yeah, right before Jenna has like a total meltdown of this, even though Enoch tells her, don't worry, it's going to be fine. Sousa comes along and is understandably pissed because he's like, the fuck do you mean you don't know what just happened? You don't know how this shit works. You're the one handling all this stuff. How do you not know what you're doing? He has a good point, and she is being very cagey. Yes, he's he's absolutely right, and he's well within his bounds asking this question. Yeah, the rest of the team are is giving her the space and not pressuring her to get the answers because they trust her. 
Sousa is an outsider. He absolutely has every right to demand questions, uh, to demand answers. And I think it would be good for the rest of the team to actually force Simmons to give some answers because we need answers. Absolutely. You're right. And But at this point, Deke steps in. It is all, leave my Nana alone. <laughs> but at the same time, Deke also gives Sousa some perspective that he needs. Like, dude, all our lives have been upended, not just yours. True. Yeah, true. But at the same time, for everybody else, it was a much more willing endeavor. They did sort of, you know, fake Sousa's death against his will and without his knowledge. Yeah, true. I mean, considering that he's been so calm about it, he is bound to freak out. Then we head over to Wilfred Malik's lair here, where we have a very pissed off Chronicom, who even three years later is still pissed at Malik for letting for letting the team go in exchange for his son. The, the Chronicom just doesn't understand. He sees this love or whatever emotion Malik is capable of as weakness. Excuse me. Chronicoms don't feel anger. He seemed pretty pissed to me. Yeah, you know, for a guy who insists that they, he doesn't have emotions, he seems to be pretty pissed off most of the time. Yeah. Now, question for you. Okay. Before we find out, did you have any ideas as to who the leverage might be, as to who it might have been in that photo? I thought it was Mac's parents. What made you think that? Was there a clue that I missed? Because I never suspected that. At the moment, at that particular moment, no. But later on, when we see Mac's parents in uh, as prisoners, I f- I put that as two and two together. I could be wrong. It could be something completely different. Oh, no, 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 no. Of of course that they're being held prisoner. They're the leverage. No, what I'm asking you is, when we find out, like when the Chronicom gives Malik a thing, is like we have leverage. We have prisoners. Did I'm asking? Did you have other ideas as to who it was? Like, did you think it was Peggy or did, no? Okay. That's what I was asking. No. At that point, I just thought, fuck me, more questions. Yeah, I couldn't imagine who they might have. I knew they had somebody. And Mm -hmm. more than one somebody that they were holding hostage. Absolutely. Why else would there be a photo? Right. But I couldn't have imagined who it was. But see, now when you're asking me questions, this doesn't make sense. Why would Freddie look so look so concerned looking at the picture and he said why don't you just put them on the list why would he be concerned when he saw Mac's parents picture he has nothing to do with them well their names might have been on the photo so he might have put two and two together and realized what does he even know Mac's name no he doesn't know his full name I think that was not Mac's picture Mac's parents picture I think this is something else, another clue that we kind of dismissed. Wait, so you think there's no connection between that picture and the leverage and the fact that they are holding Max's pr- parents prisoner? No. Huh. I mean... I think there's something else because Yo-Yo was looking pretty startled about it as well. But I think she knew who it was. How would she be able to recognize Max's parents as a younger younger version of themselves well odds are she's seen them as their older versions of themselves if anybody has seen okay. Max's parents it would be her 
Fair. And yes. she could then make the obvious connection of, oh, shit, they've been surveilling them. They have them. This is how they're going to use it against us. Makes sense. But I think there's more to this. Okay. I think that was not the picture then. You're swinging for the fences here, lady. Mm-hmm. We'll see how this pans out. Yeah. Give it a give it an episode or two. I'll probably be gloating again. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, so then Sousa, Sousa and Daisy are spending some quality time together. And he he's just, he's not feeling it so much. Um, he's kind of getting a little tired of this. Yeah. Who can blame him? Yeah, he's thinking this might be his last op with S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. His reaction to Daisy's phone is priceless. Oh, absolutely. It was so, it was so cute. It was. I felt like he was doing an Owen Wilson impression. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's, it was really sweet. It's understandable. I mean, he's having a hard time trusting strangers, basically, with the fate of a world that he doesn't understand. Yeah. And he's just thrust into this world with, there's so much has changed. Yeah, and then we have Coulson and May struggling with their situation, looking like a bunch of retro Smurfs in those outfits. Uh, I do not like those jumpsuits at all. No, me either. I think they are awful. They're a terrible color. They are not flattering in the least. Uh, and they look really... That's my problem with it. Yeah, they look really uncomfortable. They could be comfortable because they're, you know, loose and flu- flowy. Yeah, but I, that fabric looked coarse. It just, uh, like, I I saw that and I was like, oh, I would not want that against my skin. True. Makes sense. So those those two are just struggling so hard, trying to work together while dealing with both emotions on one side, lack of emotions on the other side, lack (laughs) of humanity going on, just all kinds of issues here. No. You can't say lack of humanity. They both have their humanities. Yeah, but one is not human, which is the problem, (laughs) which is a problem. He still has his humanity. Yeah, but the actual physical part about being a person is is part of the problem. These are difficult obstacles to overcome in a relationship. True. (laughs) Yeah, true. Uh, And at the same time, oh, right, we've got to try and flood this base, stop the launch of an evil rocket and save the world. Yeah. And did you notice the the scene was framed when uh, Mac is looking at the monitors and we see Simmons at the back? Vaguely. Yeah, it had a very 70s sort of vibe to it. It stood out to me. Well, I mean, the whole episode, they did a great job, especially, again, this music. It was great. Yeah, it was. Especially all the evil themes. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So Nathaniel Malik shows up again, knocks out Susan Daisy, takes them hostage. Now, here's another line where I was like, where my brain was just leaking out of my fucking ears. When he says, after he's knocked them out, I'm so happy you've come back into my life. Yeah. The fuck? Yeah, that this. Uh, oh my God! This I don't even know what to say. Wait, no. Buckle up, everybody. 
this. You have a theory? No. Unfortunately, I find myself adding credence to yours. (laughs) What if this is round two? Like you said, this would make sense then. Yeah. Oh, snap. We should trademark this. How do we trademark this? Anybody out there who knows how to trademark a theory, let us know. (laughs) Please don't steal the theory first. Thanks. Yeah, that would be nice. And you noticed that he came and knocked them out with Chronicom technology? Yeah. Yeah. So this is where things come full circle for Deke. And yeah. as Amy has pointed out, yes, her theory came to fruition. After mm-hmm. after Malik does his little, you know, Dr. Evil monologue and says, oh, you guys are out of your depth. They know exactly what's going to happen. Deke has that gun in his hand. He's like, you know what? I've had it with your bullshit. Boom. Right in the heart. Yeah. That was unexpected, but so welcome. I'm so glad I don't need to see this guy and his fake hair any time again soon. Yeah, and now there will be enough bronzer left over in the world for the cast of Charlie's Angels. (laughs) Deke's clearly been doing some target practice, too. Yeah. Yeah, he got got him right in the heart, didn't he? Mm -hmm. So this is the point where we've already seen that you know, Hydra has some kind of leverage with that photo. But this is the first time the team is finding out. Yo-Yo picks up the photo and looks at it, and she's clearly horrified by what she sees. Right, yeah. That makes me think that there is more to this than this is just being, than this is just Max's parents. Yeah, but if anybody was going to be, if anyone is going to be horrified at that, it's Yo-Yo because of their relationship. I agree, I agree. I could be wrong, obviously, but um, I still think there's more to it. But at the same time, if you're right and they were going to fuck with us, Yo-Yo is exactly the person they would use. True. I feel like I'm in that episode of Friends where everybody's like, but they know that we know that they know that they know that we know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I don't think I can deal with this for the next, I don't know how many Eight more episodes. I can't. There are too many questions. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Yeah, the ulcers are just brewing at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I can't. I can't come up with so many theories. Give me a break, writers. (laughs) And she's got to compensate for me. So please help us. Yeah, this one is useless. She just gives more questions. No, please. (laughs) Mercy. Thanks. Appreciate it. I'll go easy on you if you don't try to steal my thunder. So then we get another dose of Patrick Warburton, which is always welcome. He bumps into Colson and May. Oh, and by the way, we need to talk about this. Chastity McBride. Yeah, thank you. Really? <laughs> Chastity McBride and ba- Patrick? Patrick. Patrick. Yep. Patrick, could, yeah. Could we please decide on our fake names before the covert mission? <laughs> now, here, here's the thing. New York in 1973. I am not going to believe that a clearly Asian woman is named Chastity fucking McBride. Yeah, I feel like, honestly, people, could we work on the names a little bit more? Could we do a little more prep work for our undercover missions, please? (laughs) 
maybe she got it from his feelings like maybe he she like he would like that name or that would be maybe, my reading uh, that's just, i think it's just something she pulled out of her ass yeah yeah much more likely yeah. uh yeah i'm tr- i'm just trying to defend my darling may you never uh so her power comes in handy here as it did a couple of times in the episode, you know, Phil's trying to explain the situation here. Like, I need you to believe me. We've got some problems with some aliens that have infiltrated S.H.I.E.L.D. And May has to knock this dude out because she's like, yeah, he wasn't buying your bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everyone's powers have come into play and been useful. Well, except Yo-Yo because she's still on the bench. Yeah. And did you feel really bad when she was trying to run run out of the Zephyr when they were just about to jump? It was kind of pathetic. Ouch. It was. Seriously? Yeah. It was so sad. Yeah. I felt so bad for her. She's trying so hard. Yeah. Maybe that's part of the problem, honestly. Maybe she's trying too hard. Like performance anxiety? Maybe. I don't know, but I'm scared for her at this point, and we'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. The way things finish up here is that Mac decides to abort the op, because as we said earlier, Hydra's holding his parents hostage, and if they flood this place to stop Project Insight, his parents are going to die. Yeah. This is an impossible choice. True. So they abort the mission, and... They take off and arm their missiles to destroy the rocket. Yeah. Now, here's the thing that I think is super important. You just mentioned a little while ago about Gemma being positioned right behind Mac. Well, this happens again when he decides to abort the op. She clearly wanted him to go through with it. Yeah. What the fuck does she know that she would be willing to let Mac watch his parents die and know that he was responsible for their death. So she was like, uh, this is our only chance. We need to stop this. Yeah. And did you notice that she was already tearing up a bit? No. Yeah. There was a little like glassy eyed sort of thing where she was kind of already ready to say goodbye to Mac because he probably wouldn't exist. Oh, but the, how the fuck does that work then? It's not Back to the Future rules. He's not going to disappear, right? I don't know. Uh, uh, oh, deep. Oh, and yep, my neck is wet because, yep, brains are leaking right out the ears. <laughs> yep, yep, need a tissue. So, yeah. Yeah, because, like, Deke just said that because if his mom isn't born, then he wouldn't exist. We don't know what's going on over there. Yeah, and everybody's in deep shit at the end of this because Colson and May get caught at the lighthouse. Mac, Gemma, and Enoch are stuck on the Zephyr now that they've given their position away to the Chronicoms. Right. Yeah. Nathaniel has Daisy and Sousa. Right. And in a shag carpeted van, may I add. <laughs> Could they be any more stereotypically 70s? Does that is that what offended your sensibilities the most? The shag carpeting, uh, the fact that Nathaniel with his creepiness was driving it was making me feel rather worried about both of them, and his call to Daniel fucking Whitehall. Yeah, here's what I'm wondering about that. 
he was rather flippant about it in in mm-hmm. the conversation. So yeah, I think he's super evil and creepy and dangerous, but I'm wondering if he knows what he's getting into with Whitehall, if he knows because he the way he says it, he's like, oh, got a real mind comp vibe about him. So do you, you little alt-right fucker. But <laughs> like, does he know the extent of it? Is he going to get worse once he finds out the extent of it? He, I don't think he knows the extent of it, because at this point in the 70s, you, you realize that he does mention Whitehall as the old man. So he hasn't had his surgery and he hasn't taken Jaying's powers yet. He is still oh God in prison. Yes, he's still in prison because of his whole Nazi affiliation. Oh my God, Amy, think about it. Daisy's Jiaying's daughter. Holy crap! What have we stumbled upon? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and where the fuck is Cal? Could we see Kyle McLaughlin again? Cal is probably. Doing his studies, like he's probably studying to be a doctor. God, I can't keep all the timelines straight. I can't do it. Have you updated the murder board? I'm updating it as we speak. Send me a picture of the murder board. So, Cal is probably studying to be a doctor. Jiang is in China doing her thing. Daisy hasn't been born yet for another 15 odd years. Oh, that's true. And she has different powers. But still, yes, this is not a coincidence. God, the synchronicities here. Yeah. Now we know that Whitehall is trying to take powers like what Nathaniel said. So is Nathaniel trying to take Daisy's powers? Does he want him for himself or does he want it for the program? That's the question. Exactly. Yeah. And how much does he even know? Because it seems like Wilfred Malik didn't really let his sons into the inner sanctum. You know what I mean? Yeah. He kept them apart from it. So I don't know how much this kid actually knows. To a certain extent, but we do see this young Gideon uh, mention that he is part of S.H.I.E.L.D. and he knows and everyone says that he's going to be the next big thing. I feel like if Gideon Malik had been around in the late 90s and early 2000s, he would have been on the cast of Entourage. <laughs> That's the vibe I get from him and his stupid beard. Okay. I really just don't like him. Aside from being evil, he just gives off such a slimy vibe. I think that's the point. I know. I know. And it, being a Nazi certainly doesn't help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's where we end up with 5,000 more questions than we had when we started. <laughs> Once again. Oh, uh-huh. oh. I feel like we're back at square one. Oh, you think? I think we have miles to go before we reach square fucking one. <laughs> God. All right, partner. You ready to read some tweets? Yeah, because if we try to analyze this more, I don't think we'll be speaking in straight sentences. No. Yeah. All right. Let's do some tweets. All right. So in regard to Agent Souza, at Museum Freak says, I love that they brought Agent Souza along. Can't wait to see how that develops. I'm still hoping for an Agent Carter sighting or Jarvis would be awesome too. Jarvis would be nice, but Haley Atwell did crush any possibility of seeing Peg Carter. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, she kind of broke my heart there. Well, I feel like it was the merciful thing to do, like putting down a dog that's suffering. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it kind of answers one question. Who will not be there? Haley Atwell. True. And we can do with any kind of answers at this point, right? Yeah. At Horror and Seance says, I have this theory that he was the police officer in the Battle of New York, not just some random guy who looked like him. So I, so he at least gets to 2012. Yeah, and a lot of people are going with this theory. I don't know. I feel like they're... I don't think they're going to waste the opportunity. I think it's going to play in somehow. I think that is Daniel Souza. Okay. I don't know how he's going to get there, but I do think it's him. All right. I guess we'll see. I'm not 100% sold on the, on the idea. We asked everyone what their favorite Agent Piper moment was, and... At Ed Tufexis says, my favorite will be when she shows up again in season seven. We're with you, buddy. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. We really want to see her again. Yeah, I miss her. I'm sure she's going to bring in a whole, a whole slew of other questions, but I don't want, I don't mind. I want to see her. And we asked, what was your favorite Bobby Morris moment? At Let's Talk Mock said, anytime she teams up or she teams up with or fights May. They're an amazing duo. Yeah, baby. They are. Completely. <gasps> All right, Austin, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> so then we asked people what they thought about the 70s fashion in this episode. At Game Day at the Mac said, Sousa looked fine in his suit, but Daisy's definitely the one turning heads. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Daisy was right. Sousa's definitely the square of the episode. <laughs> But he looked fine. Even though he's a square, he looked fine. All right, everybody. So you've heard Amy's theories about Gemma. I'm inclined to agree now. She's convinced me. But tell us, what do you think Gemma and Enoch are hiding from everybody? Tell us. Give us your craziest conspiracy theories. Because honestly, at this point, anything's on the goddamn table. Yeah. But on one condition, do not poke holes in my theory. Uh, ignore that, people. You poke away because this one needs to be taken down a couple of pegs. <laughs> She's getting a little too big for her palazzo pants over here. I don't think that's possible. <laughs> Anyways, email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter or Instagram at marvelmadams. Remember, no holes. <laughs> Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us next week for the very ominous-sounding Episode 6, Adapt or Die. Ooh, please rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. He was on his game. Is that right? No. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I'm 85 years old and you haven't had a date in two years. What are we even saying? Thank you. Thank you for saying that for everyone. Yeah, thank you. Point being, we have no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.